0: Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison.
1: And my name's Mike.
0: Hello, Mike. Hey,
1: I was looking at you just uh, lovingly because you waited uh, until I got everything situated. I was made a little too much noise. So you waited for the noise to be over and I then just, you started.
0: You know, I want my husband to be comfortable. Yeah, yeah. That's my goal in life.
1: You're uh well, you're doing a great job so far.
0: Thank you. In this
1: episode, I mean I'm not going to say for the whole day. Not in life. Not no uh, well, I mean, yeah, we can all do better. <laughs> I think. So, um, your hair looks lovely.
0: Oh, Um, thank you. You've been doing
1: this curly thing, it looks like, maybe.
0: Yes, I am. I'm due to go back for another haircut next week. Oh,
1: God. I hate your haircuts. I mean, they're beautiful. Don't get me wrong. They look great.
0: Oh, God. I want you to go to Supercuts and spend
1: $10 on your hair. little uh, show of hands among our listeners. Uh, it does. I refuse to talk about how much
0: my hair costs. Oh, that's
1: okay. I'm talking about it. You don't have no, to.
0: No, we've already discussed this on the podcast. So they can go back and listen to that episode.
1: Well, I'm just going to ask, how much do you ladies spend on your hair? That's all I'm going to ask. Okay, how about that? But, okay, uh, assuming, that works. Assuming coloring.
0: Maybe it's maybe it's not your business, Mike.
1: I mean, it is because you're we're married.
0: Yeah, well, I have my own job. So and when I have
1: to take out the Booyah. another mortgage every time you get a haircut.
0: Ooh, <laughs> a little uh, dramatic there.
1: <laughs> well, I go to Great Clips and uh, mind you, I bought a $9.99 card that gives me carte blanche. <laughs> For like, I think I put 150 bucks on it so I can get like 15 haircuts. No this problem. This is
0: the life I live.
1: And that's why I have hair like I do, which is why I wear a hat all the time.
0: Yeah. You don't have a whole lot of hair, so...
1: You know what's fun? When people come up to me and saying, hey, um, did you know ha- hats cause hair loss? I'm like, no, no, no. Guys that wear hats already have hair right. loss.
0: We're trying to cover said hair loss. Well,
1: and it's not even covering. Like, I'm not embarrassed. It's just like, eh, what am I going to do? Like, it's kind of like somebody like spat on my head, basically, with some hair. It's like, well, just like a... <laughs> You that's need to care. just own it. Oh, I do. It's just like I don't want people to have to be like, Oh wow, that guy should get a hat.
0: You know, I'm never gonna be tall and long leggedy. So no, right. we, we're we have what we're dealt with.
1: That's true. That's true. But um we are the crime and coffee couple. Uh, podcast we come at you every uh, Sunday morning right around 9 a.m. Eastern and um, we just kind of you know it's like having coffee with some friends around a a kitchen table and we tell you about a really horrible story unfortunately to remember some people that are no no longer with us but you know we do appreciate everybody Uh, if you love what we do we are a little mom and pop podcast we'd love for you to check us out on patreon and uh, you know maybe throw us a couple shillings you yeah, know see how shillings, it is huh? it is getting towards christmas time so it is i'd like to say shillings because of all the you know english movies that we watch so i think uh, do you guys still use shillings probably not <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> pence six pence none the richer <laughs> uh and a hey penny six pence and a hey penny um so yeah go check us out on patreon that's all good stuff um but yeah I'm drinking a little coffee it's like we're recording this in the afternoon hopefully I can go to sleep I'm 44 years old I have to worry about caffeine Yes
0: you do and then I did want to mention an Allison's Amazon addiction since I've taken a few trips recently we have a backup battery charger for our phones it's fantastic the girls I was traveling with to Maine they saw it and they're like ooh will you send me the link to that
1: What's well, fantastic about it
0: It has all the cords you need attached to it so it's Such not as. like the little charger box So for instance my iPhone takes a a certain charger my kindle takes another it has like all adaptable ones that kind of like fold into itself
1: yeah it's pretty cool and super handy to charge it you just plug it into the wall mm-hmm. did you say that already
0: i did not say that
1: it's it comes with that so it's like all inclusive basically so you
0: don't need separate parts to it is the point
1: yeah you've got everything you need just pick up the brick and you're on your way
0: highly recommend so we'll yeah. put that on our amazon addiction and other than that i'm ready to get going if you are i am Okay. So this is a very unbelievable story. That's all I can really say about it. It's remarkable. It's something you'll never forget once you hear it Uh, it is a survival story I will tell you that okay Uh, there's a lot of horrible things this person lives through I will give you a warning and I've always like kind of shrugged my shoulders over trigger warnings and true crime because it's like we kind of know what we're getting into here but this one does deal with sexual assault so I am giving you that warning so we're going to jump right in here so this is the survival story of Alison Botha so it was December 18th, 1994, and 27-year-old Allison Botha had a carefree day that ended in an absolute nightmare, that she somehow miraculously survived. Allison was born on September 22nd, 1967, in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. When she was 10 years old, her parents divorced, and she spent mo- much of her time with her childhood um, growing up with her mom. And in the household, she also lived with her brother. She served as head girl at the Collegiate High School for Girls in Port Elizabeth, and she spent a few years traveling when she finished school. On her return, she began working as an insurance broker. So on this day, December eighteenth, 1994, Allison, Allison spent the day at the beach. Again, it was a carefree day. She was hanging out at the beach as the evening kind of rode along. She's like, hey, guys, why don't you come over to my place? We'll have pizza and play games. So that's exactly what they did. And as they kind of wrapped up the evening, everyone was starting to filter out, head home. And one of her friends uh, hadn't driven there. So she would have had to have walked home. And Allison didn't think that that was a safe thing since it really wasn't very safe to walk the streets at after dark. So she decided to give her a ride home. And at the same time, she remembered that she had previously done laundry at her friend's house. So she's like, okay, I'll kill two birds with one stone. When I drop you off, I'll grab my laundry. So that's, you know, exactly what she did. So basically, as she's pulling back into apartment complex, it's just after 3 a.m. She was surprised to see at such an hour, her parking spot had been taken in the time that she had been gone. So she wasn't very happy about this. So she settled on a spot that was farther away than she would have liked to have walked. Because again, it is the middle of the night. So as she gathered her laundry that was on the passenger seat, she's basically getting ready to get out of her unlocked car All of a sudden, somebody yanked open her driver's side door, and everything happened very quickly. There was a man standing in front of her, and he was holding a knife blade to her throat. He instructed her to move over to the passenger seat and threatened her that if she screamed or tried to make any noise, he would kill her. So it was Allison's thought process that if she did what she was told, he would let her go if she was cooperative. So, as they began to drive into the darkness, he told her that his name was Clinton, and he's telling her that he only wanted to borrow her car for about an hour. He said that if she listened to what he was telling her, he would eventually let her go, and at that moment, Allison believed him. He made small talk as they drove. He asked her what her name was and if she had a boyfriend. Allison lied, telling him that her name was Susan and that she had a boyfriend waiting for her back at home. And she did not. Good idea. So she's telling him, you know, if I don't come back soon, he's going to be worried about me. He's going to call the police or come looking for me. So you should just drop me off. And she offered him, he, she's like, You can drop me off. You can take my car. I won't tell anyone about it. I will not go to the police. Just let me go. He told her that he just wanted her company and that he was just gonna pick up his friend and refuse to take her back home. So they stopped the car and his friend got in. And at that moment, she looked back at his face in the rearview mirror, and all she saw were cold, dead eyes. And it was at that point that she knew she wasn't going back home. She knew it wasn't as simple as it was said to be. She said his eyes were pure evil. So as they drove out of the city and suburbia turned to brush, Allison felt all hope drain from her body. Clinton stopped the car on a remote street that was dark. There were no streetlights. It was more rural. So once there, the men told her that they were going to rape her And Clinton asked her if she planned to fight back. She continued to hold on to the idea that if she cooperated, they would just do what they wanted with her and then just take her home.
1: That's so sad.
0: So she told them, no, I won't fight back. So Allison was then brutally sexually assaulted by both men. When Clinton's accomplice took took over, he strangled her as he raped her. Allison began to drift in and out of consciousness during the attack and remembers repeating the phrase over and over it's okay, let them rape me because I can survive this. I got this, I can get through this. I can go home, I can go to the police. I can tell my family, my parents are going to support me. He is doing this to your body, not to you because he can never really touch you. So she just said that to herself over and over, just get through this, just get through this.
1: Some kind of mantra, you know, you gotta have a mantra.
0: Yes, and she was then pulled from the car when they were done with her and thrown into a pile of debris and broken glass that lined the street. Both men had previously been arrested on rape charges. Of course, she didn't know that. And they decided in advance that the best plan would be to kill their next victim because the other two had reported them. Uh So after they finished raping Allison...
1: Or how about let's not rape people anymore. uh,
0: What a concept. Yeah, you
1: would think that would be... Be a a
0: decent human being. Yeah. So when they finished raping Allison, they attempted to strangle her to death, and then they took turns stabbing her in the abdomen. By the time they finished, she had been stabbed 37 times in the abdomen. Holy cow. So as the two assailants stood over her, kind of just monitoring her movements, seeing if she was moving, seeing if she was dead, sadly her leg twitched and they knew she was still alive. So at this point, the man that they had picked up is uh, coming back towards Allison and and he slit her throat. Oh, my God. And then Clinton pushed him away and took over. They cut her 16 times in order to be sure that she was dead, and then thus unable to report them to the police. Despite the brutality that Allison experienced, at this point, she was still aware of what was happening, and she could see the hand that moved back and forth over her throat. She was conscious this entire time.
1: And just pretending that she was dead. Of course. So they would leave her alone. Yes. Oh, my God. God. can you imagine just like okay i can suffer one more okay one more one more and then it like keeps on going
0: 16 times god so she heard a wet sound as they continued to slice and she realized that this was actually the sound of her flesh being sliced open she was injured so badly by these wounds that she had nearly been decapitated oh my god she tried to grasp what was happening to her but it all just felt unreal she felt no pain at this point point. And she knew it wasn't a dream. It felt like it, but she knew it wasn't.
1: Crazy. So, like, uh, did they? They had to have cut some arteries and stuff. We'll go through
0: everything. So, it was something that was actually happening to her. She was literally living in a a worse nightmare. So, when the two attackers assumed that Allison was dead, they continued to talk over what they assumed was her dead body. And they asked, Do you think she's dead? The other answered, No one can survive that. As the pair climbed into Allison's car to head back into the city, they called each other by their real first names. Nice. So after they drove off, Allison laid amongst the dirt and broken glass near death. She decided to write a message in the dirt and wrote, I love mom. She also wrote the two first names of the men who had done this to her so that authorities could find these these monsters who were responsible for what she wasn't sure at this point would be her ultimate death.
1: I can't believe that she was capable of doing all this after she was just pretty much left for dead. Right. And completely murdered. I mean, most people would have died from this.
0: Absolutely. So in the dirt, she wrote Franz and th- Theans. I, th- I think I'm saying that right.
1: Other uh, names don't matter.
0: And as she laid there, she heard a wheezing sound and realized that it was actually coming from her slashed throat. So despite the horrific injuries that Allison had sustained, she managed to drag herself to her knees. She refused to just lay in the dirt and just await death. And that would have been totally reasonable had she done that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And as she did this, her head just continued to fall backwards. She wasn't sure what was going on. Of course, she's like in shock. So she's basically reaching up towards her neck area. And at this time is when she realized in horror that her neck had nearly been cut through and it was basically impossible to keep her head in an upright position. Oh my
1: God. That's like so horrific.
0: So she began to try to crawl forward, forward towards where she thought the road would be and that she could ultimately get help. But she, you know, was collapsing. And at that very moment, she wanted the horrific ordeal to just be over. And she did, you know, consider succumbing to death at this point. So something within her at this point in time said, I am worth getting up. I refuse to die at the hands of these two men. Wow. So she actually got herself to a standing position.
1: That's insane. Like holding her head up, basically.
0: She literally had to hold her head in an upright position. Wow. So, you know, it's all starting to dawn on her the severity of what has happened to her. She, at this point in time, is feeling something wet around her ankles. So as she's trying to hold her head in place and looking down towards the sensation that she's feeling she actually saw that her intestines were out of her body and bunched up around her ankles.
1: This is like, it sounds like it's made up. I'd, like if this happened in a movie, you'd be like, this person would never be alive. Never,
0: yeah, you would think this is, whatever, this is a bunch of crap. Yeah, This is actually happening. So despite the horror of this realization, Allison just kept plugging along. So these monsters had thrown her clothes out of the car when they were driving away. So she actually took a a piece of her discarded clothing and used her shirt as a sling to carry her intestines as she walked towards
1: the road. <laughs> That's insane. That is like, I, I keep stopping because of how just incredible that is. What a fighter, this man.
0: entire story. Like we were, I was actually doing some research in star Starbucks and I had to just like catch my breath and like wipe some tears out of the corner of my eye to think that a human being actually lived through this. This is not a story. This is actually true. <sighs> And it's just so hard to believe that something like this could happen to another human being. So she's basically carrying her innards in her shirt and holding her head with her other hand as she tries to make her way to where help could be. So the walk to the nearest road was exceptionally difficult, as I'm sure you can imagine. She managed to make it to the highway and would later say that she felt as if she had been carried by a force that she couldn't see or explain because the in the very early hours of the morning, though, of course, traffic is light. So she basically collapsed in the center of the street on purpose so that she wouldn't be on the side of the road and a car would just drive by and not see her.
1: Yeah, I think she was sleeping or whatever. <clears throat>
0: right. So she laid in the pavement, her life you know, slipping away, when she noticed that headlights were approaching. As the car got closer, it began to slow down as it passed her body. But then the car sped off. <sighs> They saw that somebody was there and injured, but they're like, I'm going to just keep going. I, I don't know what's happening here. Is this, who knows what the situation was, but regardless, they left. That. Yeah. So only moments later, another car was in the distance, and this one stopped as they saw Allison's body. So that night, Tien Eller, Ehlard, I'm sorry, a 20-year-old veterinarian student from Johannesburg who was vacationing in that area, had been taking the scenic route with some friends. As Tian's friend called for help, he knelt down by Allison. So he basically was taking ownership of Allison. That was going to be his job for the night. So he had seen at that moment that her throat had been cut open from ear to ear
1: and you said he's a veterinarian
0: He was a veterinarian student.
1: Okay well I mean that's good you know you can you know, he knows some medical stuff.
0: yeah so he and his friend took their shirts off they covered Allison up they and T N basically stayed with her he held her hand he assured her that help was on the way
1: and that's really an important thing you know knowing you have somebody in your corner to like fight okay now we've got you mm-hmm. you're at the next step here come on coaching her us. through. Yeah.
0: so he could hear her breathing and see her eyes were blinking and she was squeezing his hand in response uh-huh. so he knew that she was conscious he knew he she was aware of what was happening around her So he continued to speak with Allison and instructed her to breathe with the goal of keeping her calm. Because at this point in time, I'm sure she's, you know, going into shock.
1: Oh, already like hours ago. Right. So
0: she stayed. He was making sure that she was going to stay awake until the paramedics could get there. So they formed a way to communicate by TN asking Allison yes, no questions, and she would squeeze his hand accordingly. He continued to reassure her that he was not going to allow her to die in the road. When Allison grew tired and tried to close her eyes, Tien would not allow her to do this. He wanted to make sure she stayed awake and conscious." For whatever reason, none of my research told me why, but the ambulance took 45 minutes to get there, despite the fact that it should have only taken 15 minutes. Wow. So when they finally did arrive, the paramedics were absolutely stunned by the injuries that Allison had suffered. They were amazed that she was alive, and they did not think that there was any hope that she would ever survive
1: this. So as amazing as she did, getting somewhere and then getting picked up by the second person that saw her, Um, you know, there's still things working against her. Right, like you know, she's got hundreds of stab wounds. She's got an ambulance that takes forty-five minutes Mm -hmm. to get to her when it should have been fifteen. They're talking about, oh my god, there's a lot of stab wounds. I'm surprised they're alive. And we don't
0: know if they voiced this out loud. I should hope not. No, of course. But they did not think she was going to be making it alive. So as Allison was transferred into the ambulance, she refused to let go of Tien's hand. So he actually rode to the hospital with her. What a sweetheart. Oh oh my. Amazing. Awesome. So amazingly, not one of the 50 plus stab wounds had hit an artery or a vital organ. How is that possible?
1: Perfectly imperfect.
0: They said her thyroid was basically hanging out of her neck.
1: (laughs) and They're like, well, it's fine. It's just hanging out. So we just got to put it back in. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I'm not laughing because of how like funny it's, it's just, just it's incredible
0: that 51 puncture stab wounds slash slashes did not sever any vital organs and the fact that her intestines had come out of her body yet they hadn't been punctured
1: it was almost like surgical
0: it's incredible the doctor basically said she was like a scientific miracle he's like i don't have the means to explain this by science
1: right i don't you always hear about people like well if you would have waited 30 more minutes you might have been dead or whatever but like this is like you they had hundreds of opportunities to cut something vital Mm -hmm. and did not
0: 51 oh
1: 51 Mm -hmm. and did not Any of those times. Yes. Incredible. So,
0: you know, her intestines were obviously on the outside of her body, but despite that, she never developed any infections from these injuries.
1: What? That's insane. Insane. While she was like along on the road, like somewhere out in the rural africa that's crazy right so
0: a throat specialist actually worked on allison in the or and then she was transferred to icu after the surgery as a doctor the surgeon was very well versed in the sight of injury and blood but he later reflected that he was stunned by the extent of the cruelty that allison had been subjected to to think that a human could do this to another human is just beyond somebody's you know understanding
1: nonetheless like two of them taking turns doing so
0: like how do you find each other so he was struck by her strength and her bravery and felt it was a miracle that she had survived and again he thought it defied science like there was no way he could explain it because of the nature of her injuries a breathing tube had to be inserted into allison's trachea to help her breathe
1: well yeah because when she was trying to breathe she could hear her throat Mm -hmm. opening up that's like imagine that that's the sound
0: of breath coming out of your neck it's just not supposed to happen so you know she's got this breathing tube in and at this point in time, her mom got the phone call about everything. So Allison's mom arrived at the hospital, and she had only been out of surgery at that, that point in time for about 15 minutes. Her mom was horrified to see the tubes and medical devices coming out of her daughter's body. She saw dirt and blood crusted in Allison's face and head. She was shocked that her daughter was alert as she was. And Allison expressed to her mom that she just wanted the men responsible for her injuries to be caught. That was her goal at this point. Nice. So detectives brought her a photo book of like full of potential suspects only hours after she had been attacked. So she was able to pick up, pick out these two men, Franz and so it's Franz Ditois and Thuens Kruger. These are her assailants that she's finding in this book. So determined to get these two men off the streets, Allison told detectives as much as she could about her horrific attack. She was not able to speak at this time because she had that tube in her throat. So she was using paper to communicate. So when the evidence was presented to prosecutors, they asked Allison's doctors if the breathing tube could possibly be removed, that she could actually speak the name of her assailants. It's their experience that spoken words are more impactful than written words at judicial hearings.
1: That's insane that they would know that, Mm -hmm. that it's come to that situation. Go, I guess you can be coached one way where it's like, if you say, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows?
0: So both Allison and her doctors agreed with this request, and she was obviously relieved to have this uncomfortable tube gone and that she was actually able to speak her truth. So she was able to verbalize the names of the men who tried to take her life and police quickly apprehended them. Awesome. So Franz Dutroit, who posed as Clinton obviously that wasn't his name, was a 26-year-old father and husband with a criminal history that included violent attacks toward women. Despite the fact that he had been accused of rape on multiple previous occasions, he had gotten off each and every time with little more than just a slap on the wrist. So some speculate that this could be related to the fact that his father was a police officer.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, look into him.
0: Yeah, so he was raised in a Christian household when he was in eighth grade, which is standard six in South Africa. He set fire to a dormitory. He claimed he did it because he was listening to heavy metal and he was influenced by the hidden messages. At age 13, he became involved in Satanism. And when he was intoxicated, he felt his evil side became more prominent. So while he would have sex with other women, he said he had these thoughts to kill which is obviously problematic.
1: Yeah, there's some kind of a, a gross connection there. Right, you know, that he's the sex- tying them. Sexuality and, and murder and, and you know, getting excitement out of that.
0: Right. So he was said to be a very lazy student who failed grade nine, which is standard seven twice. So the other man was 19 year old. It's Tians. So my apologies about that.
1: Don't have to apologize for that piece of shit.
0: I'm just very, um, you know, I'm, I'm big on trying to be accurate. So Tien's Kruger, who was even more of a threat than his partner. He grew up in a, an allegedly abusive household. His father was said to be a career criminal who had been in and out of prison the majority of Tien's childhood. Most women were repulsed by him and consistently <laughs> rejected his advances.
1: Was he like super ugly or something?
0: There's very few pictures. It's like a picture of him squinting in the sun and drinking from a straw. It's really. Kind of hard to show. I only saw maybe three or four pictures of them.
1: I would assume that he didn't take care of himself and uh, he's a disgusting human being probably had horrible breath and uh, very ugly. Right. We're going to say
0: and you know, it might not even necessarily be 100% tied to his looks. You know how women have a very strong creep radar that raises when we know that somebody's not right. No, he probably gave that off very heavily. Creep vibes. Oh, major creep vibes. I, I guarantee you. So women are very... Very much repulsed by this man. So he basically grew to have a horrible thought towards women. He, He hated women, but at the same time, he remained fixated on them sexually. So he admitted to raping a pregnant woman earlier that same month. Oh. These are the type of people we're dealing with here. Yeah,
1: we're, they're the lowest common denominator.
0: So Franz and Tien's met at a, what's called a shibin or shibin Bean, um, which is an unlicensed establishment Establishment that is establishment.
1: Still didn't say it. Yeah, one more time. Oh Here gosh. we go. Ready?
0: And okay, people, we're going to try this again. And action. I'm only human. So, a she bean, we'll say that's what it's called. So, it's an unlicensed establishment that is is selling alcohol. Okay. So, that's where the two met. They had met in June of 1994, which was only six months before they had attacked Allison.
1: Wow. So, they had already attacked other girls before her. You said. Independently oh, independent.
0: and together, they were already working together. Right. So, As the men drove off in Allison's car, they headed home to drink beer, and then they used the same knife to attack her to butter their toasts. I mean, again, this is the type of people we're dealing with.
1: And they still have her car.
0: Uh, Yes, they drove her car. What they did with her car, I don't know. They did eventually get it back. Okay. So when Tien's handed the knife over to police, they saw that it had the name Frick engraved on it. don't know what that's about. Mm. So when Franz was brought in and questioned by police in regards to what happened to Allison, he assumed that he was being questioned about her murder. He was stunned when he learned that she had actually survived. At this point, realizing that he had been caught, he basically just gave it all up.
1: Yeah, he's like, um, is there a chance I'm not ca- Oh, she's alive. And mm-hmm. so she told you I Did it. Yep. And she saw my face. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Yes, guilty.
0: So he gave them a blood encrusted ring that had belonged to Allison, and then they recounted the events of what led up to their attack with absolutely no remorse and explained that they had even planned to look for another girl the next day, and they had planned to throw her body off of a 410 foot bridge when they were done with her. So, again, they're laying all their cards out. I mean,
1: that's interesting. You would think you would just shut up and try to get the least amount of sentencing but not be like, oh, by the way, if you hadn't caught us, Mm -hmm. more things would have happened.
0: Right. So on the day of Allison's attack, Franz had a barbecue at his house, and the two were drinking beer. Meanwhile, Franz and his wife were on rocky ground due to financial issues. They decided to leave the barbecue, meat actively on the barbecue grill cooking. They said that that's how impulsive he was. He literally put meat on the grill, and they're like, oh, yeah, let's go do this to somebody, and just left. So he basically said to TNs that they were going to find a girl that was beautiful, and she also had a nice car. They were going to rape her and kill her. Jeez. That's the conversation they had, and that's what they set out to do.
1: And that's how poor Allison got all hooked up and everything.
0: So they drank two and a half liters of sherry and set out on their hunt. Sherry? Sherry. That's like, what are you? Um, cra- 90 uh, years old? No, what am, what am Fraser I? Inter- Frazier Crane. Yeah. Yeah. It's like him and Niles yeah. would drink sherry. Well, Weird. apparently these guys drink sherry. So unable to find a victim, Kruger, who is Tn's, I might say Kruger, sorry if I confuse anybody, Kruger lost interest and went to a club while Franz carried on and later came in Allison's car to pick him up. And then that's when Allison saw Tn's Kruger in the backseat with the dead eyes that were pure evil. And that's when she knew she was in for it. So as Allison continued to recover, she requested that she pick out her assailants from a lineup. Her case was actually the first in South Africa's legal system that used a two-way mirror to protect the victim from coming face to face with their assailant. So despite the fact that the both both of the men had altered their appearances, she was able to quickly identify them. Nice. So Allison was discharged from the hospital on the last day of 1994 and her mother took care of her. She had to travel back to the hospital every single day to have her wounds redressed.
1: Uh, that was like so New Year's Eve, she was hanging mm-hmm. on. Oh my gosh. She was Um, Discharge
0: home on New Year's Eve getting
1: brutally raped and almost murdered is horrible any time of the year but just can you imagine spending time she was
0: in the hospital all through the Christmas holidays because it was December 18th that this happened so it was during this time that in addition to facing her physical injuries she also had to face her emotional injuries and one evening she stood in the bathroom mirror just staring at the wound that was across her throat and the terrible wounds and the surgical incisions that were split across her abdomen and as the tears poured down her face she wondered who would ever love her this way
1: oh poor baby
0: and it's just so hard to believe that you know monsters could damage somebody's soul yeah it's just so sad
1: yeah it's just it's not her fault obviously you know it's easy to say but any of us would think the same thing you know of course if, if, if anybody should be feeling sorry for themselves yeah allison's allowed to feel however she wants she's went through a horrible thing. You don't have there's no booklet that tells you how to deal with being almost murdered and putting yourself in a different place while you're actively getting raped. Like that's so horrible. I mean,
0: this girl truly amazes me. It's just unbelievable. So she battled depression for quite some time. It's like of course she did. She lived through the worst thing that could possibly happen. But she was able to pull herself from despair when she realized the importance of telling her story rather than allowing her attackers to take more from her, she made the decision to use what she learned from her experience in order to help others. And in turn, this allowed her to continue to heal. And you need to remember that oftentimes people who are raped have a lot of shame. Even though of course they did nothing wrong, it's because they're violated. So her, she wanted to give other women strength to know that they can come forward and tell their story. You know, she met women that they had been married for 30 years and never confided in their husbands that they were raped when they were teenagers because they had shame.
1: Well, and also they didn't want to bring up things from the past, I'm sure. You know, it's like, well, my life is good now. Why bring this up and whatever, even though it's important. Like Mm -hmm. the person you are right now is a combination of everything that's happened in your past.
0: Yeah, and you know, to free yourself from that burden and let other people know and let them in on it and comfort you or whatever it is that you need to release that. She gave women permission to do that. and that is so,
1: so like that's such a gift she's been given, even though it's such a horrible situation, you know, she's absolutely blessed to be that person and not blessed, but be able to help other people mm-hmm. in that same situation, you know, so her horrific situation is able to help others. Right. That's she's so turning awesome. it around. Yeah.
0: So her savior, Tien, had to return home to Johannesburg, but before he left, he gave her a cactus and a card that read, you are the bravest person I have ever met. Uh, That's awesome. In February, she moved into a new flat with safety, obviously, as her top priority. She also replaced her car because she was unable to face the reminder of what had happened in her previous car. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, who wants to face that every day? By March, she was back to work, but her mind was preoccupied with the investigation and the upcoming trial. She did eventually leave her job, and that's when she went on to go and speak. Awesome. So the media dubbed the pair the Ripper Rapists, who had been charged with kidnapping, rape, and attempted murder. Shortly after being taken into custody, Franz announced that he was possessed by a demon and in need of an exorcism.
1: Yeah, you're. how about you're going to get your exorcism in jail <sighs> for the rest of your life?
0: So neither the public nor the court system had any sympathy for him, but they did hold an exorcism.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What, like in the town square or something like that? No,
0: I think maybe wherever they were being held, a priest came in and did an exorcism. Okay. Okay. On March 23rd, 1995, Franz and Kruger pleaded guilty to eight charges that included kidnapping, rape, and attempted murder. The trial began on June 12th, 1995, and by the end of day one, one of the defense lawyers withdrew th- his service for ethical reasons. I think it was just such a heavy case, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean that's his job. You're supposed to defend them. It's yeah. not, you're not defending them. You're just making sure they're being treated to the, the, the same point of the law as everyone else.
0: So each day as the pair were led to and from court, Detective Melvin Humpel, who led the investigation, refused to shackle the man. He had actually hoped they would try to make a run for it so they could get the appropriate punishment for that. And <laughs>
1: would be like, well, I got a billy club here with your name on it. Go ahead, mm-hmm. run.
0: I dare you to Go. So, during the trial, two prior victims of the pair took the stand to recount their horrific ordeals and each testified that they had been warned not to go to the police by the men. Both women women promised to stay quiet, but each had gone to authorities upon the release. Mm -hmm. And one of them was a woman that was pregnant
1: and that's really the main thing like if a woman or anybody's in that situation this killer knows you're going to go to the police no matter what mm-hmm. like they, they know and if they don't they're stupid so yeah, you know, I don't know what Allison has to say but I would really love to hear if she thought that she did the right things you know what she would have changed you know you can't change anything and obviously fantastic yeah she
0: knows story. that they would have you know, there was nothing she could have done differently Right. so um, you know this is the two women that caused them to make that decision to kill Allison because they they had gone to the police yeah so um again they had both gone so let's see do 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 friends and kruger were quickly arrested but had also been quickly released after each of the previous two sexual assaults which i i don't understand a third woman who had barely escaped the men testified that she had been driving around looking for a parking spot, very basically identical to Allison's story. So, this was on December 16th at like noon, 12 30 p.m. So, this was two days before Allison was abducted. She noticed two scary men watching her as she parked her car. As she pulled into the empty parking spot, she saw the men quickly approaching her car. And her survival instincts kicked in. She quickly locked the doors. When they realized that they They couldn't enter her car easily. They quickly fled, but she was able to immediately identify them. So when she saw their faces on TV after Allison's attack, she immediately recognized her faces and came forward. So they would have done the exact same thing to this girl. Mm. So Allison also testified during the trial um she, she I guess she wasn't part of the trial otherwise they made her like sit in a separate room, but she did come and testify. Those around her were obviously in awe of her calm and bravery throughout the whole ordeal. She indicated that she refused to allow these men to take her character. On August 7th, 1995, both men were found guilty on all charges and sentenced to life in prison. The judge was so stricken by their lack of humanity that he took the unprecedented step of including the caveat that they never be released. So Allison ended up getting married. She had two sons, despite the attackers making comments that they were going to take away her ability to have kids. Oh, my
1: God. What monsters.
0: Mm hmm. So they mentioned destroying her reproductive organs. So in 2016, Allison published a book. It's called I Have a Life, Allison's Journey, as told by Marianne Tham. That same year, a documentary of her attack and the aftermath was released. It's simply called Allison. And the audience and critics, you know, saw this movie and just viewed it as a triumph of human spirit. I mean, just truly incredible. So when Franz learned of the documentary, he requested to be interviewed, but only if Allison wrote him a letter of forgiveness ahead of
1: time. (laughs) Allison's (laughs) like, I'll write you a letter, and it's going to say, go to hell, and Mm -hmm. I hope you're never exercised, and I hope you go straight to meet your maker, which is the devil.
0: So he also asked for a share of the proceeds from the book and the documentary, as well as any earnings Allison received from her speaking engagements, because it was his warped thought process that she wouldn't have any of these earnings if it hadn't been for him. Hmm.
1: Can you believe? Hey, he shot his shot, I guess. Shooted his shot. Oh my gosh. And uh, the worst they could say is no, you know, just like the teacher's kids. You, know, you can always ask. Worst they could say is no, or absolutely not, or go to hell.
0: Yeah. So after saving Allison that horrific night, T N Aylard had been so deeply affected by the incident and aftermath that he made the decision to change his career path because as we know he was a twenty-year-old veterinarian student.
1: So again, this is the guy that found her, not tns Kruger. This is T N.
0: Uh T-I-A-N-T-I-A-N. This is her okay. savior who held her hand until the paramedics came. So he was going to veterinarian school at the time that Allison was attacked. He decided to change this path and enrolled in medical school. He became a doctor. And years later, he even helped deliver Allison's second son.
1: Oh my God. That is awesome. Isn't
0: that crazy? That
1: is like so like <laughs> that's just incredibly fantastic i know God, it's like an honor she'd be like yeah, i want you to deliver my son That's and
0: the fact that he could be there to deliver her child when it's amazing that she was even there and now she's bringing this life into the world holy
1: cow what a, i didn't expect that. i know <laughs> and obviously they're like lifelong pals right? oh forever Oh, so,
0: wow. two years after Franz de horrific crimes came to light, his father committed suicide. This was a police officer. His law enforcement career had been destroyed after the shame of what his own flesh and blood was capable of committing. And it was just too much for him to handle. Well,
1: maybe you shouldn't have swept it under the rug.
0: So, because of a change in laws, all prisoners who were sentenced to life in prison before October of 2004 were now eligible for parole. Hmm. So, despite the absolute gravity of their crimes, on Tuesday, July 4th, 2023, after serving the minimum required time of 28 years in prison, both Franz Dutois and Tian's Kruger were released from prison.
1: Released?
0: Released.
1: Not even like on... Um parole or what like i mean i I obviously parole i'm saying like going up for a a hearing to see if they'd be released
0: they were gone up for the hearing and released so this decision disregarded allison's pleas for them to remain behind bars and her warranted fear of potential revenge they could come after after her for absolutely I just can't even wrap my head around where her headspace must be throughout this time. That was this year? This was July 4th, 2023.
1: Yes. What, did, what, what's the, what are the authorities saying about this? Like, they, they have to have some kind of response. I'm sure there's people in the town that, like, charged the capital or whatever. There's been
0: petitions and stuff like that. But thus far, so there, after a 90-day period, which we should basically be just about finished with, because this is October, what, 7th today? Um. after being uh, through this 90-day period of being allowed out during the day, they will then be freed on a permanent basis, which should be right about this time that you're hearing this episode and when it's
1: released. So, wait, th- I thought the judge said never able to be released.
0: Right. But a law was changed that those that were um, sentenced to life in prison before October of 2004 would be eligible for parole. Where the hell did this rule come from? I don't know. So... Uh, due to their release agreement, they will be closely monitored for the rest of their lives, but big deal. Yeah, BFD. <clears throat> so it, this uh, company that Allison has worked for with her motivational speaking is called MISA, M I S A. They indicated that they are disgusted and furious with this decision to grant their parole on a case that is considered one of the most horrific crimes in South African history. And
1: like, it's not a one-off. These guys have done it before. They have done it before. Like, then they're going to do it again. They have a sickness.
0: They told the police that the very next day they were going to throw a woman off of a 410-foot bridge after they raped her.
1: I promise these guys will get caught doing something. Like, how do you let go of somebody like this? Like, if it's like a... (sighs) you know a a family thing where there was some kind of a you know entanglement and then somebody killed somebody like i get okay that person
0: had a vendetta towards whoever this is some
1: random occurrence this guy was cooking meat and decided i want to go rape and kill somebody
0: yes and the scary thing is is that somebody is going to suffer and die and have their life ruined because of this decision
1: like whoever signed that into law should have their life ruined if that happens like that's insane
0: i'm just beyond i can't wrap my head around how this happened if
1: we have anybody listening like i'd love to hear what the general thought process is down where you live in
0: south africa yeah so MISA, this company that Allison did her speaking engagements through, their CEO, who is Martel Keeter, spoke out about the decision and said, we live in a country where gender based violence is referred to as a pandemic. Police Minister Becky Seal admitted that we had lost the war when nearly 1000 women were murdered, and more than 1500 were assaulted from January to March of this year. So this is a, an epidemic. So Allison's lawyer, who is Tanya Cohen, was also livid. And she said, this is not just a shock or a double shock, but shock on shock on shock. Allison had been consulted during the previous parole processes and made written submissions in 2017 and 2020. But this time she received the news of the release via email from the Department of Correctional Services on June 23rd, explaining the situation and the plan. And obviously, she was in shock. She was scared. She was overwhelmed by this decision, not just for her own safety, but that of other women that are out there. Yeah. So, when her attackers were sentenced to life in prison, this idea allowed her to move on and have a sense of safety that these people that tried to kill her were locked up behind bars forever. Forever Uh, is what she was told. Air quotes. So she feels that the payment for what they did was to stay in prison for the rest of their lives, while her payment was to live what they did to her for the rest of her life. But they're not, you know, living up to their end of the bargain. They were let free. So Allison has traveled to various countries to tell her story. While she spoke at Nelson Mandela University, she emphasized that one's life should not be defined by the traumas that are endured, but the response to them her story has allowed other women the courage to come forward and share their stories and release their shame for what they have previously felt. A petition was started on July 7th for a review on the release of the convicted rapist because this undermines the safety and well-being of survivors and sends a disturbing messages or message I should say to perpetrators. The petition is demanding a thorough review of parole policies and procedures to ensure that justice is served and that violent offenders are held accountable for their actions. So it is Allison's belief that we are never given more than we can bear and always maintain faith that this would not set her back or change her life. She refused to let these two pieces of literal garbage take away her character and her life and her happiness well
1: they tried before that's mm-hmm. i can't believe like living her like living her life and knowing that the guys who did this to her that she thinks about probably several hundred times a day mm-hmm. are out there are out living. there
0: where that sense of safety is gone I mean, we know how it is with the internet these days. You can look people up. You could see where they live.
1: Well, yeah, especially her. You know, she's traveling and doing speaking engagements. Like, everywhere she's going, she's probably looking around.
0: I'm horrified by this decision. I'm sad for... Anyone in that area that these potential monsters, they, I mean, they're going to do something.
1: If you see Franz or Kruger, go ahead and hit them with your car. Like, go ahead and run them over a few times. Like, they don't deserve to be walking on Earth. That's insane. I know. If you drive a truck, um, yeah, maybe offer to give them a ride, but then back over him. Uh, a few hundred times. Yeah, just to be sure. hmm Like, that's... I'd, I'd love to hear some some... Explanation (laughs) of what, like, there's nothing good that can come out of them walking life.
0: And one of the stories I read said that she actually heard the news from the media. So it was like stunned her because again she was involved in the previous times they were up for parole. Well, even if She you, was actively involved this time she was shell-shocked.
1: And even if you hear that you're like well I'm sure they mean like other prisoners you know that have done less horrific things. It's like nope the guys that um, thought you were dead uh, and talked about you being dead and you never having children because they're cutting your reproductive organs. Yeah they're, they're included they're mm-hmm. also going to get out of jail. Yep
0: horrifying. Oof, that's tough. But you know that aside this is just the amazing incredible incredible, miraculous survival story of Alison Botha. This woman is beyond anything I can, like... Imagine how her strength that she has. Yeah,
1: and thank her so much for being that strong voice to others to be able to come forward and right. tell their loved ones about their previous things mm-hmm. and and share that because anybody that loves you is going to want to hear about everything the good and the bad in your life and just right. be there for you. And everybody's capable of being loved. I promise. It's like if I am <laughs> not to like say I'm yeah you know, something bad, but it's just anybody is man. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like uh, it's kind of like when you learn to cook by watching like Rachel Ray. She said if I can cook, you can cook. It's like I'm an imperfect person. Yeah, everybody is. And that's part of the beauty of life. You know, we we have our scars and our battles from the past. Some of them are quite horrific, but there's always somebody for everybody.
0: Right. And that love and support helps, you know, get you through it.
1: Absolutely. And Allison's freaking awesome.
0: Yeah, she is amazing. And she still to this day goes out and speaks. And uh, I don't know. I'm just absolutely in awe of her.
1: I pray for her safety and I, the
0: safety of those around you know in that area where these guys are
1: yeah i mean if oh man whatever i just hope these guys run into something bad that's it so thank you so much for telling allison's awesome like survival story like, awesome being that she survived mm-hmm. thank god we still have her and our family so thank you so much for listening we appreciate each and every one of you and um you know i did mention patreon earlier and we want to say Thank you for our new patrons who uh, recently joined the Crime and Coffee Couple Club. And it's as little as five bucks. So you can go ahead and get your own little little club. Come join us over there. And I want to say welcome to uh, Sarah, Mary, Nancy, and Taffany.
0: So, Very beautiful. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much. Thank
0: and you guys so much. One
1: quick thing. Um, I looked at the cities that listen to us most. And while like 85% of our listeners are from the United States, I'd say like the four, top four cities are like Australia and I think whales or something. So uh, we we see you out there. Thanks for listening to us and and telling friends and family. Well, next
0: week's case is going to be over in that side of the world. Ooh, Mm -hmm. interesting.
1: All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for your support, everyone. Um, Tell your friends, family, and coworkers. And until next time. Bye.